we are going to talk about increase understanding the ways of God. Increase understanding the ways and times of God. How many of you are excited to learn about increase in the kingdom of God? How many of you are excited to learn about the ways of God in this season in which we're in? How many of you are paying attention to the signs of the times in the days in which we're in? Amen. Well, then we're in good company. We're going to learn some things, and I am hope to bring you a fresh word from heaven. And uh, let's open our Bibles, if you will. And let's open, first of all, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. First, uh, 2 Chronicles, sorry, chapter 7, verse 14, and it says this. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. How many of you know we need our land restored? How many of you know that we need to be forgiven of our sins, not individually only, but as a nation, right? Our nation... It, 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 it suffers because people are not turning unto God and seeking his face. But he says, if you will seek my face, if you will turn from your wicked ways, I will heal the land. I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal the land for you. Hallelujah. In Psalm 75 verse 10 says this, for God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase your power of the godly. For God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. And one more scripture, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 105, verse 24. And it says, and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Amen. We want to understand the times in which we live so that as the day of the Lord approaches, we are not taken off guard. That in this time of uncertainty and in this time when things don't seem to be going like we want, how many of you the last two years have been going like you want? No, no, no. But in the power and timing of God, you know, I'm going to teach you a couple of words. The first word is chronos. Everybody say chronos. And the second word is kairos. Everybody say kairos. I want you to know about chronos and kairos. And there's one more word I'm going to teach you tonight. So that when you see the day of the Lord approaching, you'll understand where we are on the timeline and you'll know how to operate the kingdom principles in these uncertain times. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. Um, I want to just explain something before we get into this. In the past 10 years, up, up until 2019, the Hebrew nation was uh, in the 70s, according to their calendar. All right, The Hebrew nation lives by a different calendar than we do. And at that time, they were in the 70s of their years. And in the 70s, the number that represents that name and the Hebrew word that represents that name was the word that says seeing and knowing. In other words, for the past 10 years, before 2019, the Hebrew nation was paying attention to seeing and knowing from God's word, seeing the word of God and knowing what God was going to do, hearing and seeing the rhema of God when God speaks to you in prayer or when he shows you something that's happening around you, there's a seeing in the spirit. You just kind of go, oh, I see that, right? How many of you have ever done that? You see something, you know, you've looked at it forever and then suddenly you see it. That's the, that's the revelation of God's word. You, we look into the word of God and God wants us, when we look into his word, he wants us to see and to know his ways. 
The ways of God are not mysterious. The ways of God are not hidden. They've been revealed to us so that those who are paying attention can know the ways of God. And so they were in this season of seeing and knowing. But in 2019, they closed out that 10 years. And in 2020, when everything went crazy, we entered a new decade according to the Hebrew calendar. And we're in a new decade, and the word for this new decade that we're currently in is called pay, P-E-Y. The word pay is the Hebrew letter also, it's a word and a letter, for the number 80. We're in the 80s now, according to the Hebrew calendar. And that word means knowing and speaking. We saw and we know, and now we know on the inside, and now we're to speak what we see and what we know. God doesn't want his word to just be in you as head knowledge. He doesn't want his word just to be in you and you've got it in your heart and you've got it in your head and you're a living, breathing, walking Christian, but you don't speak, you don't say, you don't do. The Bible says that faith is active. Faith is an action. Faith without works, the Bible says, is dead. So you can see and you can know what the word says. You can see and know the times in which we're in. But if we don't say and do something about it, our faith is inactive, unproductive to produce what we're expecting God to produce. And so I want to talk to you tonight about increase, understanding the ways of God by speaking. Hallelujah. How many of you can say Amen. The Lord says in Psalm 115, the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. And then in the New Testament, in Luke 17, 5, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. In Acts chapter 6, God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased, right? They increased because people were saying they were speaking what they had seen and known from Jesus. They had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They recognized him as Messiah. So they had an understanding. They had a knowing. They saw him physically. They were with him. But how did the increase come? How did the expansion of God's kingdom come? Through the disciples speaking and testifying what they had seen and known. They saw Jesus. They knew him. They walked with him. I've seen Jesus. I know him. I walk with him. He is the word of God. And when you see and know the word, you can't help but speak and testify to others. That's how the kingdom of God increases around the world. That's how God has designed the gospel to go around the world through our mouths and through our actions. Amen. God expects you and me to not only see and know, he expects us to understand the seasons in which we're living. We were talking at dinner, you know, we can see that things are shifting. We've been living in this shifting sands for two years, and we know that not only is the enemy doing some stuff, but God is doing some things. Now, let me, let me get back to these two words, chronos and kairos. Chronos is time that we all know. We live on time. We live by calendars. We live by watches. We live by a timeline. We got our day planned. We go to work on time. Chronos is chronological time. It's man time. It's what we do our life on. We live on Chronos. 
Kairos, on the other hand, is God's time. I'm going to give you the definitions of Kronos and Kairos uh, in just a few minutes. But first I want to give you one more scripture and then we're going to go into that. Kairos, let me just mention this. Kairos is actually happening simultaneously with Kronos, but you might not see it until it suddenly appears over there. But it's been working underneath the surface the whole time. But all that we can see or know in the world without God is Kronos time. But those that are seeing and knowing in the spirit can see the Kairos moments of God. And God expects us to see the Kairos moments. Go over to um, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and let's look at verse 32. These scriptures that I'm giving you are super important to build a foundation for what I want to share with you tonight. Understanding the ways and the times of God will bring increase. And I'm not just talking money. Whenever people hear the word increase, they automatically think, oh gosh, she's going to talk to us about money. No. Increasing the kingdom of God. Increasing the number of disciples on the earth. Increasing Christian influence in the world today. That's what God expects from his children. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I begin to speak out of our mouth and live out with our life what we see and what we know. How many of you can say amen? Are you ready to live your Christianity out loud for all to see? Yes. Woo, on another level? Yes. Then that requires everybody to lift up their voice. How many of you in this room don't like to pray out loud? Be honest, raise your hand. This church is a Holy Ghost church. You all like to pray out loud? Good, I'm in the right crowd. All right, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, 32 says this, And the children of Issachar, which was a tribe of Israel, which were men that had understanding in the times to know what Israel ought to do. God is looking for his children to know and understand the times that we're living in and not just, you know, playing catch up, looking behind you because 2020, you know, vision is 2020 looking behind. But you can see ahead 5, 10, 15 years into the future knowing where the spirit of God is taking the body of Christ. He expects us to know the times in order that we might do. We've got to know what we're to do in these times. And you can't know what to do if you don't understand where you are on the great timeline of God. As we see the day approaching, we've got to live by the Holy Ghost as never before. You've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God like never before. Let me give you the definitions of chronos and kairos, and then I want to share a testimony that will maybe highlight this a little bit. Chronos, all right, is a, a Greek word, and it means this, chronological, sequential, timeline, day-to-day -day routine, etc. Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right. Write this down. Kairos means this, spelled with a K. The right, critical, opportune moment. In other words, kairos significance signifies a proper moment or time for action. It's discerning that moment where action is necessary. Discerning what's to come ahead. He's the God that sees ahead and provides, the Bible says. Not only is God the God that sees ahead and provides, we should be the people of God who see ahead and provide for the future. Amen. God does not want the future to take you by surprise. God doesn't want you living day-to-day, 
by the skin of your teeth, shooting from the hip all the time. He wants you to anticipate to know what's coming and then live your life now so that when you get there, you're provided for. Can you say amen? Amen. God doesn't want you to be caught unawares or off guard. There's a right, critical, and opportune moment for the things of God. And that time is now. Kronos talks about quantity, but Kairos is quality. There's a quality of life. There's a quality of opportunity that God wants his body to have and to understand not only in the spiritual realm, making disciples, which we should all be doing, but he wants you to have a, a, an understanding of the times because he's going to see ahead and provide for you when there's scarcity, when there's lack, when there's a crisis. It should not take us off guard. We shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. No, no, no. We should see it coming way, way far off and prepare in this time for such a time as that. God's time is all about quality. The blessing of increase is about obedience to these things. Write this down. Point number one. The blessing of increase is all about obedience to God's word. You've got the seeing. You can see when you pray in the spirit. There's things that rise up on the inside of you that the Holy Spirit shows you. You can see what God wants to do in his word. You can see where we're going in the word. It's in there. It's at the back of the book. It's a little book called Revelation. <laughs> we can see where we're headed. And God wants us to be obedient to the word that we know and begin to speak based on the word that we know and declare, how is my future going to be? What's it going to be like in two years? The world right now is talking famine. The world right now is talking scarcity. The world right now is talking inflation and oh my gosh, you won't be able to afford your life in five years and there won't be anything to eat in two weeks. That's what the world is talking. It's all over. What are you speaking? What are you speaking about your present and your future? We don't have to side in with what the world is saying. We're not denying they're saying it. They're saying it. It's geoengineered for anybody that's paying attention. Geoengineered. Plain as the nose on your face. But God, in the midst of all the, the chaos that's going on, is in a Kairos weave with the Holy Ghost, making preparation, doing his thing, and making a plan so that when you get there, woo! I don't know about you, but 2020, 2021 were our best years. I don't know how God did that. I don't even care about knowing how God did that. But we did not miss a beat. We did not lack for anything in the natural or in the spirit. It was crazy. We had to learn some things. We had to, we had to overcome some things. But in the midst of that, it was as if God, in his infinite wisdom, had been preparing a Kairos moment for us. And when the, when the Kronos pandemic hit, the Kairos God provision rose up and took over. It was like, whoa, this is awesome. Even though it wasn't awesome, you know what I mean? Because why is that? Because we're obedient to God's word. We call those things which be not as though they were. We live the word. We hear what the outside voices are saying, but we're not living based on what they're telling us. We're listening to the inside voice of the Holy Ghost. I can see what the word says. I understand it. And then I speak my 
future into existence by what I say. And how it's going to be for the world, it's, it's sad, but they're going to have what they say. And we're going to have what we say. And so you need to understand chronos. Kronos means you speak and obey the word of God and God pours out a blessing upon you in the midst of crisis and chaos. The blessing of increase, number one, is all about obedience to God's word. You've got to increase. Here's a great point to to take note of. You've got to increase in your own personal walk with the Lord. There is no other way for you to experience Kairos, the blessing of God, the outpouring of God upon you in seemingly chaos and confusion when you're not speaking this. When all you talk about is what the talking heads are talking about, you're not going to experience this. So you've got to increase in your personal walk with the Lord. To, To experience Kairos blessings, you've got to increase personally. And then from that, you'll begin to increase the kingdom because you'll inspire somebody else. You'll be talking about what you're believing God for and what God's done with you, and they're going to go, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Teach me. Show me. And then you invite them to church or you, you share a book with them or you, you give them what they are hungry for because you've got the answers. You've got the blessing of God upon you. We live in Kronos. Although we operate... Sorry, sorry. We live in Kairos, although we operate in Kronos. We all live day to day. We all have a schedule to keep. We all got things going on. But if you're living off of that, you're not going to increase the way God wants you to increase. Here's the definition of increase. This is pretty interesting. To become greater in size, so size, amount, intensity. Ooh, I like that one. Intensity and degree. You should become greater in size, number, right? There should be more of us happening all around the world. The amount, all right, together, our amount, our intensity, and our degree of leadership or our degree of influence should increase. We shouldn't grow bigger, become greater, expand. It says rise up, soar, surge, rocket to the top, improve, magnify, amplify, make stuff better, get an upgrade. Woo! I bought a coach ticket, but I flew up here in first class because I got an upgrade. A free upgrade. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for it because I live on Kronos. Sorry, I keep getting those two mixed up. I live on Kairos. I live on Kairos, even though I flew on Kronos today. Amen. As a noun, the word increase means this, growing or making greater. God, in this time, wants you to understand what he's doing, and you can see it, and he wants you to operate on a level that the world is unfamiliar with, all for the glory of God. He wants you to operate above the fray, above the noise, Be the talking head that is talking increase, that's talking blessing, that's talking all things are possible. Me and my household will not lack for food, shelter, clothing, money. Whatever it takes to operate in the earth, we should be saying my family will not lack it. Because I have an increase of knowledge in the word of God. I've increased my relationship with God. I'm studying the word of God. I'm talking the word of God. You've got the best restaurant in town right here. 
You get the best spiritual food right here and put that food to work for you. Hallelujah. There's an instant of time happening for each of us on several occasions that God is saying, if you'll obey me in this, if you begin to speak out that, and he, everybody's going to be different. There's not like one and done here. Everybody's at different walks, different stages of your relationship with God. So what you need is different from your neighbor. But there's a Kairos moment for each of you to receive what it is you need in this moment to increase in the blessings of God by understanding the ways and times of God. Obedience to God is the key. Obedience begins in your soul. 3 John 2 and 4 says this, Beloved, I desire that you be prosperous in all things. Okay, comma. So prosperous in all things, that's one thing. Comma. And have health. Two things. Just as your soul thrives. Third thing. What is your soul? Anybody know? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So God is saying, I want your mind to be healthy. I want your emotions to be healthy and stable. In the chaos and the confusion of the voices and what they're saying is going to happen, you are rock steady. In the 70s, there used to be a song called Rock Steady. He wants you rock steady. He wants you planted solidly on the rock to experience your kairos moment. Amen. No matter what the world is saying, no matter what's going on outside, my soul is well. It is well with me. My mind, my will, my emotions are steady on God. I am not moved. I am not bothered. I am steady on God. That's increase. It's increase when you are rock steady and, 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 and nothing and no one is making you your boat, you know, rock over. He says, I want you prosperous in all things. Prosperous in health, prosperous in love, prosperous in finances, prosperous in joy, peace, relationships, prosperous in your job. Whatever prosperity can be attached to, it says all things. There's tons of prosperity, people. All kinds of prosperity God wants you to have. And he wants you to be healthy while doing it. Amen. You've got the word of God that comes against any pandemic, any, any demic, whatever demic is next. The word of God comes against that and makes you prosperous and in health, rising above what the enemy's trying to get you to focus on. Amen. Increase begins in your soul. Walking with God, walking in all that God reveals to you. The kairos moments that God shows you. Walk in that. Talk about that. Stand up for that. If we all stood up, think about it. If every Christian in this city stood up for what we know to be right. Listen, I'm going to talk cryptic here. If we all stood up for what we know, according to the word of God, is right and true, we wouldn't have any problem in the school systems. We have problems in the school systems because we're not standing up for what we know is right and true. We're afraid to stand up for what we know is right and true. And so therefore the enemy goes in and messes up certain systems. Because, hey, the Christians aren't standing up. They're not speaking. They're not taking a position collectively together based on what we know is true. And God says, you, it's not enough to know the truth. Jesus said, you've got to walk in the truth. 
My word has to remain in you and you've got to remain in my word and you have to walk this out, talk this out, declare this out. This is the year of pay, the 10 years of pay. That means God expects his children. I'm talking like a mama tonight, aren't I? I just realized I'm a little... <laughs> but it's with purpose. I talk like this with my kids because, ah, get what I have. I, I got something for you. And if you'll take it, you'll experience the blessing of it. We've, we, we've lived our life seeing and knowing God. We hear the word at this church every week, multiple times a week. We, we, we read the scriptures for ourselves. We pray. We attend Bible studies. We go to conferences. We listen to podcasts. We're so inundated with the word. The word has never been more accessible than it is right now. To any Christian in all the world, never has there been such opportunity to see and know the word as we're living right now. And God says, I'm taking you to another level. The next 10 years, I expect you. Listen, this is God, your father. I'm representing him kind of as a mom figure right now. I expect you, children, <laughs> to speak my word, to declare my word, to stand up for my word. Yes, will that bring persecution and problems? And will that make you unpopular with just about everybody? Yes. But we were called for such a time as this. Esther wasn't popular when she was speaking. It wasn't popular for her to stand up and say, guess what, we're not having this. It wasn't popular for the disciples to stand up and say, we're not doing this. It wasn't popular to be stoned. It wasn't popular to be shipwrecked and beaten. It wasn't popular to preach Jesus in the early church either. But it was necessary for the disciples to testify about what they had seen and known. Why? Because in that moment when the whole Christian world was scattered abroad. What looked like a defeat for Christianity when the persecution came 70 years after Jesus went to the cross and the persecution of the church came in strong and people were being killed left and right for their testimony of Jesus, it, did, it wasn't a popular time to be a Christian. But they spoke. They, they, they were compelled to speak what they knew and what they saw. And they had to speak. And God, when the persecution came, what the enemy meant to destroy them, God just used it as a way to scatter them all across the face of the world and preach wherever they landed. Wherever they ended up, they began preaching. They began testifying about Jesus. God wants us to do the same thing. There's the early reign of the early church and the latter reign of the latter church. We're the latter reign. We're the latter reign. If we don't speak, who will? I don't want God to pass our generation by. I don't want my kids, the millennials, I love the millennials, but I don't want them to be the ones that, 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 that take and make revival. I want us to do it together. Why, why, why is my generation just letting it go by and uh, let the next generation take it? i, I got to go put my feet up somewhere. No, we've got to work together to speak the gospel, to testify about what Jesus did, to stand up and take a strong stand for truth and righteousness, come what may. And trust me, stuff will come. Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Glory to God. If you're willing and obedient, but guess what? We have to live in obedience to do the word, to speak what we know, 
to stand up against the, 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 the darkness that is so prevalent in this day and age and stand up for truth and say, not here, not that. We will not. We will not. Church, can we say we will not? We're not going to accept a lie as truth. I'm not going to accept a lie as if it's the truth. I've got to obey God's word. It's obeying the word of God that brings blessing. And our life must be exemplary in this area. It's got to be. I know it makes everybody quiet like, oh, my gosh, she's talking to me. She's talking to me. I know I am talking to you. I'm talking to the body of Christ all around the world. Everywhere I go, this is the message. This is the message of revival. This is the, the, the spark that will spark revival. Someone's got to come in and say, let's get together. All the pastoral associations in every city should be getting together and say, okay, what are we going to do, boys? We're going to stand up. Ladies, you're with us? Okay, we're all going to stand up and we're going to say, this is what we believe and this is what we'll authorize and this is all we're doing and we're not moving. And be a force for the kingdom of God. But instead, we're divided. Each of us kind of doing our own thing. We're not in a kairos moment. We're just living the Kronos line. We're just keeping our mouth shut and doing our thing. Don't, no, nothing to see over here. Don't notice me. I'm just going to keep living my, my life. You do what you want to do, but I'm just I'm going like this. That's what it feels like the body of Christ is doing. We just want to get through this period without the devil knowing we're around. Don't, no, don't look at me. Don't touch me. Don't. Because the minute you stand up and speak and stand up for righteousness and speak what you know, speak what you've seen, you're an automatic target. But, but that's the purpose. That's the purpose of our Christianity. It's to be seen and heard. It's to be seen and heard. It's, to be a, it's a force, it should be a force to be reckoned with in every city. Some ministers got to stand up in the city and say, I'll lead, I'll lead the charge on that. Ministers, all the ministers in town come to my house. Let's have a little meeting. Let's organize it. Let's do this. We're, I can tell you now, we're, we're doing this in, in Mexico and around the, the Caribbean and Central American region. We're organizing. We're grouping. And, and this is what we're saying. We're, we're going to do this. And, and this is all we're doing. And anything else that doesn't line up with this, we will not bow to it. We refuse to bow to it. And we're taking our stand. And we're going to see the glory of God fall. We cannot, point number two, we cannot be satisfied with normal. You cannot be satisfied with the normal. I, I don't like the phrase, the new normal. But in this context, I kind of like it. We can't do Christianity like we've been doing it. We've got to have a new normal. We've got to get back to our roots and look at what, how the early church operated in the book of Acts. How the early church operated right before the day of Pentecost. What was happening? And then at Pentecost, what happened? Do you know that Peter, the very first revival crusade, was on the day of Pentecost? Rosh Hashanah is coming. Woo! But on the day of Pentecost, the last of the spring feasts, the Spirit of God was poured out and our very first revival crusade was preached. It was an open-air crusade in the streets of Jerusalem. There was a commotion going on. There was people who were like, what's going on? What's going on? And, G and Peter stood up and preached Jesus. And it says 3,000 people were born again that day. So if there was 3,000 born again, there had to have been at least 3,001 people present at the revival. I speculate there's probably between five and 10,000 people at the revival. And out of that five or 10,000, 3,000 got born again. Hallelujah. 
Revivals are coming. Revivals must come. They must come in, in cooperation with the work of the local church. You know, I had this, I, I just did a, a message on crusades, and I'm going to take a side journey here for just a moment. And is there a countdown clock? You said between 8, 8.15-ish, right? How many will give me five more minutes? Five or ten more minutes? Okay, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, six. Okay, we've got another hour. Good. I've got time to get through this. I wanted to share something with you that I, I shared in a, a message with all of our leadership. We just had a huge leadership meeting, and I was doing a message on crusades because uh, I just participated in a huge crusade in the Dominican Republic, and, um, and we're organizing some things for the future in our region. And so I wanted to get everybody kind of excited about, you know, what, what's happening. And I was sharing with them about the first crusade in Acts chapter 2, and, and then I, I was reading to them, uh, actually, and if you look at this, Acts chapter 2 and then verse 42, right after that crusade, what happened? The Bible says that after that crusade, the disciples, the new believers, began devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. They all went to Bible school right away. They all went into the churches and they dedicated themselves to hear the teaching of the word of God. They were studying the word of God. These new believers, 3,000 new believers, started studying and having fellowship, getting to know one another. And they began to pray for what God would do in the future. But here's one thing that I thought was really interesting. Luis Palau uh, did a revival in San Francisco in the 80s. And he, he gave five reasons why revivals and crusades were needed for churches and for cities. And I just want to read you these five because I think it speaks to this kairos and chronos. There's a kairos moment of revival coming to the land. I know that many people um, have said that they don't think that there's any more revivals going to happen. There's just going to be a bunch of little wildfires. And there have been, and those are great. We don't want those to stop. But I, I, I think that those little fires together with a revival crusade in a city will absolutely turn the cities around, and that's what we need. Amen. We need cities to turn around. And here's what Louis Palau said, if you want to write these down. He said, reasons for crusades or revival, or you could say speaking, testifying the gospel. What happens when you testify about Jesus like Peter did? Number one, the gospel goes to many thousands more people than if just one or two churches were having a small revival. Instead of hundreds of people being reached, thousands of people are reached at one time. Number two, the whole city, this is what I love, the whole city becomes God conscious for the period of the outreach, making Jesus Christ and the Bible common topics of discussion among the people. Woo! Among the people not even living for God. Among the unbelievers. Not just the Christians talking about how amazing God is. Unbelievers begin to talk about the crusade. And I heard this and I heard that. And they're preaching Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? And they start talking, which is awesome. That happens a little bit, but not on a citywide level, on, a, on this scale, which I think is amazing. The third thing he said was that the power, I love this one too, the powers of darkness are disrupted as the light of Christ is firmly held up by a united church. That's what I'm talking about. This kairos moment comes and the powers of darkness can't force their way past when the church holds up and says, Red Rover, Red Rover, you know, send St. Peter right over and we bind together and the enemy cannot break through. We hold back the darkness by our testimony. We hold back the darkness by our unity. 
We hold back the advancements of the darkness of, of, of the enemy when we come together as a city or a region or a community and preach Jesus. It says, darkness is disrupted as the light of Christ is firmly held up by a united church. The whole body of believers from every denomination you can think of, we all band together and just say, let's shine the light. Third thing he said, as a result, these are also great. As a result of this disruption of Satan's strongholds, evangelism becomes easier. So when you have a world uh, worldwide crusade, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, let's do a worldwide crusade. If you do a citywide crusade, you disrupt the powers of darkness. You disrupt his atmosphere, his ability to do his deal, because we're taking over, right? And then it says, as a result of the disruption of Satan's strongholds, wherever he's got a stronghold in our communities, evangelism becomes easier. Suddenly people, when we basically take the veil off their eyes and they go, oh, wow, I never, I never saw that before. Yes, oh, it's so crazy. Yes, I want Jesus. Like, it's so easy to get people born again. It's so easy to talk to them about Jesus. When we were in the Dominican Republic, the third night of the crusade, they estimated over 10,000 people. And the, the evangelist who was leading it gave me the opportunity to give the salvation call. And to see thousands of hands going up at one time was awe-inspiring. As a result of the crusade that we did, we had it on local TV. We were on local radio. We were on local TV talking about what we were doing. We were in the local papers. But then the national, NBC, CBS, and all, you know, their version of that, in the Dominican Republic, they heard what we were doing and they sent representatives asking if they could televise our crusade across the whole nation. A citywide crusade that was just for a small beach community outside of Santo Domingo. It wasn't even the main city. It was a smaller city. We decided we were going to do a crusade. The, 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 the political leader said we need it. The church leadership got together and said we want it. And so we came in and we did it. And as a result of that, CNN, NBC, MSN, I mean Fox News, everybody came and said, can we broadcast this all across the nation? And this crusade was broadcast across the nation and it was in the national newspapers in the Dominican Republic as a result of the disruption of Satan's strongholds, evangelism became easier. They came to us. We didn't pay a dime for national coverage. The gospel that was local became national. They came to us. It was easy. And here's the, the great thing at the end of it. Churches grow. New churches get planted in places in the city where darkness has been banished and light comes in. Crusades, working together with churches, fires everywhere, and then a big explosion disrupts the stronghold when we speak, when we declare, when we tell we know our God. He's the healer. He's the savior. He's the provider. This is what he did for me, and he'll do it for you. When we boldly stand up and declare those things, whether it's from a pulpit in front of 10,000 or whether it's on a street corner or whether it's in your local school board meeting or the whatever, wherever God tells you to take the message. When we begin to do that collectively, our voice becomes amplified. We become the head and not the tail. We become above and not beneath. We become the leaders and not the followers. And this is all a part of God's kairos moments. A precise moment of time that happens. In this exact moment, God breaks forth 
and God does something amazing. But if we don't get busy doing what we know to do, where we're planted in our sphere of influence, if we don't rise up and say, I will not bow. Pase lo que pase, cueste lo que cueste. Whatever happens, whatever the cost, I'm willing to stand up for what I actually believe, if you actually believe it. You see, that's the thing. I think that one thing that the pandemic did for the body of Christ is, is demarcation of who actually believes and who's not quite so sure. It really separated. I mean, lines were drawn. Not even on our, we didn't even intend for it to happen. It just happened. Because many, many more were not willing to stand up for the word of God. Many more were not willing to, to say, I'm not going to call that truth. I know that that's not truth, and I'm not, I'm not going to side in with evil and just float along with what they say. I'm not going to dishonor God by dishonoring his word. And I can't be afraid to stand up for this if this is what I truly believe and have faith in. Even if it means prison, even if it means jail, even if it means death. That's what the primitive church understood. They knew this all in, all in, push, all, push it all in. We're either going to win big or we're out. But we, we, we've got to go all in here. Are, are we all in? Are we ready for our Kairos moment in this Kronos time? I believe that Omaha is ripe for revival. I believe that Omaha is ripe for a Kairos outbreak of the Holy Ghost. I believe that God wants to do great things. And there's many avenues, like I said, to reach those who need to be saved. Just by talking on the job, talking at school. Know your rights by law. Know them. If you don't, investigate it. Find out what you're allowed to say, where you're allowed to say it. Find out what you can do if the risk frightens you, right? Because I, I understand. It does frighten some people. I, I get that. Find out your rights under the law. Find out your rights constitutionally and stand for them. Watch our Christian leadership as they stand for the word of God. There are many Christian governors, senators, Congress people who are standing up for the word of God, not afraid to say what they believe based on the word of God. They're putting it all on the line for us. And we're the body of Christ. We should be leading the show on the hill. We should be leading the, the charge in, 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 in what we believe and, and broadcasting what we believe. United, we stand. Divided, we fall. Divided, we're conquered. And if any of you... If not, I would encourage you. Uh, Mark Hankins said this a number of years ago, and it really stuck with me. I'm the second to four daughters. We have no boys in the family, so my father made sure that every one of us understood stuff. Uh, you know, change the oil, change a tire. You know, can you do things that girls don't normally do? And one of the things that my dad would always talk about was military stuff. He was in the Army, 101st Airborne, and he would always talk about military stuff. And so, and sports analogies. I mean, we had to watch football, basketball, baseball. We had to know all the rules. Follow golf. Understand what you're watching here because your husband, your boyfriend, will be impressed if you understand what football is. If you can, you know, if you know the players, if you know the coaches, if you can name some stats. Uh, my husband was impressed, right? I, <laughs> I get more intense at sporting events than he does. <laughs> but, but my dad taught us these things. 
And uh, one of the things that my dad you know, taught us was pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening around you. And, and don't go with the flow. You know, be that military leader to, to take a charge on the hill, to stand up for what you know, to not be afraid to go after the bigger, badder enemy uh, when you feel like the David. You know, run at Goliath with your mouth open. David didn't run at his giant with his mouth shut. You know, Mark Hankins says, don't run at your giants with your mouth shut with a stone in your hand. Speak it. Action. You're doing the natural thing, but you're speaking the word of God. Like, these two things come together, like Brother Hagen and Pastor Hagen say, the natural and the supernatural come together to create an explosive force for God. We're here to create an explosive force for God. And I believe that Omaha is ripe for revival. I believe that God wants to do some great things in the cities across America. And in churches like this, where you're led with pastors who are solid in the word of God, they're solid on faith. They have an understanding of the times in which we live. They can see what's happening and they lead their flock to be prepared. And I'm just here to just add my two cents in to encourage you to be prepared for your Kairos moment. We've come out of the seeing and the knowing we can still see and know by the Holy Ghost on the inside of us, but now God demands his people to speak and to act. These next 10 years, brothers and sisters, are going to be pivotal in the body of Christ. These next 10 years are going to be pivotal for your life. Pivotal for your life. And if you don't know what rights you have, investigate it. If you don't know, oh, here's, here's the other thing I want to say about the military. If you don't understand military tactics... You, you should study the military. You can go online and study all the military stuff. I've done it. I've, I've downloaded the PDF handbook. It's huge, but it's awesome. And, and we can see what the enemy's doing. He's cutting off communication. He's going after the resources. He's going after the food. He's going after the, 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 the resources, right? To limit your mobility, to, to make you afraid, to, to limit. That's what the enemy does in war. First thing he does is go after communication. You could take a lesson by studying some, some natural things that God gave us and, and apply it and see it in the spirit. See and know. And then speak and do. This is our time. It's our time to stand up as the body of Christ. Would you stand with me?